Podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 16, Ergo! Yay! Yay. Actually, I remembered this one. It's Ergo. How could you forget Ergo? I know. I loved everything, everything, everything about this episode except the ending. Okay. (laughs) Because of the fact that, like, we talk about this a lot, but more, more so than anything, it's like... Events, 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 events. Oh crap! We've been online for 25 minutes. We need to wrap this up. Let's just let's just wrap up this whole thing in like two minutes. Okay, go. <laughs> like that's what they did. Yeah, with a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Without actually giving it like a proper evolution of ending, they were just like, oh, okay, yeah, we got to wrap this up. And we're done. Mhm. Okay. I guess I can see that. Yeah. 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 But everything else, love it. Fantastic. Would watch it it again. Which is interesting because this is like one of those episodes kind of with emancipation where it's like you love it or you hate it because Ergo is the most annoying thing on the face of the planet. Or he's adorable. Well, Uh I can't say I would ever want to be in SG-1's shoes in this episode. No, but I don't find Ergo that annoying possibly because, you know, we only have to deal with him for a little bit of time and not all of the time. I do you suppose? Do you suppose he let them sleep? Oh my God! I hope so. <laughs> or was better. he constantly just like, "Let's go do something fun. You don't need sleep." I don't know. They didn't really seem sleep deprived. So y- yes, they must have said, "Ergo, we're going to sleep," and he was like, "Okay." Maybe, maybe their brain was just like shutting everything down and shut him yeah. down. Because, you know, you, you you have to sleep. You can't not sleep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. Shall we get into it? We should. Okay. So, Ergo originally aired on January 28th, 2000. It was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and was directed by um, Rachel. Who, who do you suppose, in the canon of Stargate directors, who do you suppose was the director of this particular episode? It's a tough one. I'm going to go with, it was a DeLuise. It was, it was Peter DeLuise. Oh my goodness, that's shocking. I know, which the one thing I tried to find out and I could not find anywhere was, was this episode written for Dom or did they write the episode and then Peter went, hey, you know who'd be great as Ergo? My dad. You know who's who's glorious and annoying, but in the most lovable sort of way? My father, yeah. <laughs> I, I could not find anything about, like, the evolution of the writing of this episode and the casting of this character. Because, like, as I was watching, I was trying to think, who else could play Ergo? And I, I don't think there's anybody else who could be Ergo other than Dom DeLuise. I really? don't know. Well, I mean, he directed enough episodes where he might have had some pull that he was like, hey, let's put my dad in an episode. It'd be fun. Because this also, this one very much doesn't further any sort of plot. It's, you know, like an off to the left kind yeah. of one. So it really could have taken place anywhere. Yeah, at any time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but there were some things I read that led me to believe this wasn't written for Dom. Um, like there's some things that like, you know, interviews with Peter is like, what was your favorite memories of like, as she went, I was like, well, you know, I loved her girl cause I finally got to work with my dad kind of comments. So hmm. I think it was just kind of happenstance because also Peter said, Hey, we should get my dad. Would you say no to that? I mean, no, you're not going to yeah. say no to Dom Louise. Yeah. So yeah. I do love him. Yes. R.I.P. Dom. We miss you. No. Mm. Yes. All right. Well, so summary for this week's episode. En route to a paradise planet, SG-1 is secretly implanted with an alien spore that evolves into a being called Ergo. Though Ergo claims to be friendly, the suspicious team members work feverishly to rid themselves of the creature before it destroys their minds. Oh, man. That sounded way more dramatic than the I know. There's way more ominous than (laughs) what actually happens this week. (laughs) That's almost one of those written badly things. A little bit, kind of. 
Mm. So we open in the control room with Sam discussing the general atmospheric conditions of P4X884. There's a nice temp, there's a good barometric pressure, and Daniel adds there's also no signs of civilization, so it looks perfect for research purposes. Tilk then sort of warns against taking things at face value, and then Jack and Daniel get into like an, an idiom off. Which I like. Which, that these little beats, it's like, you know... 30 seconds but it's those beats that make these characters feel like real people because yeah. that's the kind of shit you do with your friends like yeah it has nothing to do with anything but but it's that's just how, the that's little how, things yeah. in there yeah yeah I yeah. like it so but anyway anyway SG1 has a go to do a mineral survey which is just Jack's absolute favorite thing he's super excited so I noticed like this this episode really made me question what we've kind of touched on before of how mm-hmm. much research do they really do before they go there and it yeah. seems like they get the exact same picture every time did the map never turn left i t- <laughs> yeah or, or like i don't i don't understand how they possibly could have missed that it was like you know a screensaver type picture i know especially because later jack says isn't the mul- the map supposed to like explore but wouldn't it do yes. that before they go to yeah. the planet? It's just, oh, I think that might be our memo for today of like the okay. mouth needs to turn left. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's going in. I'm, I'm putting it in there now. The mouth <laughs> yes. needs to turn left. Okay. Okay, so the gate has been dialed as SG-1 enters the gate room and Jack bids General Hammond au revoir, which Tilk is like, I don't know what that means. And so Jack then runs through how to say goodbye in various languages as they step through the gate and then step out back in the SGC. Hmm. With everyone looking very confused and sad and weird and scared. Yes, everyone is very confused because as far as SG-1 is concerned, they stepped through the gate and exited back in the SGC. According to General Hammond, they've been gone for 15 hours. Weird. Aha, got- so that whole check-in should have come in handy. Yes. <laughs> Which I do have to say, though, Amanda's tapping face when General Hammond does it's been 15 hours. Her, like, reaction to that is is very good. It's that, you know, sort of wide-eyed, like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Like, hmm? it's, it's like... Oh, it's, I didn't notice. It's very good. Also... Watch the background actors in this episode because so many of them are just trying to hold hold it hold it in. Just, just hold it in. Don't uh, they also have a mouth in the room? There's two mouths, which we're so. gonna get to in a bit. Yes. <laughs> we'll get to in a minute. Which I love. Okay. Yes. So we then cut to the opening credits. As we come back from the opening credits, they're in the infirmary, and the initial medical check does not reveal anything amiss with any of the members of SG-1. There's also no bruising or injection sites that might indicate, like, a struggle or being drugged as a way to sort of mess with their memory in any way. They run through what happened again from SG-1's perspective, and it's just what they said before. Step through the gate and exit in the SGC. There was a second mouth in the gate room when they returned, and that's because when SG-1 did not return as scheduled, Hammond ordered a second mouth to be sent through, but they couldn't see anything. There was no sign of SG-1. There was no response to any sort of radio call check-in. And then both of the mouths came back just before SG-1 did, but SG-1 insisted it wasn't them who sent them back. Mm, No, it did not. No. (laughs) So in the briefing room, Sam is playing back the recording from the second map. The problem with that is, where's the first map? It should be like right by the gate or Jack. This is where Jack mentions, don't they go exploring? And Sam's like, well, then there should be tracks because it's a sort of sandy beachy kind of environment that we're getting. But there's nothing. Sam then goes back and plays the video frame by frame. And like right after the map comes through, there's a very brief, like one or two frames of this shot of this large just room, like inside a structure of some kind before the image changes to show the sort of beach environment. Yes. So it was, it was, this is apparently all an illusion. So, but why? And Jack's like, you to lure us there for some reason. And then Daniel comments that the coffee tastes amazing. And Jack and Sam both agree. 
And so Tilk grabs the craft that's on the table, unscrews the top, and just, like, chugs the whole thing. And they're like, wasn't that hot? And he was like, extremely. It's, mm, okay. Okay. Weird and mm, okay. A little weird. So, I do like Hammond's face for this yeah, meeting. Yeah. It's the right amount of confusion and what the hell was that? And yes. <laughs> and also, like, there's, there's still concern there, too. Yeah. So Hammond orders them all to stay on base for the time being so they can just be monitored for because there's there's something weird something going up. on something yeah. weird for sure we then cut to jack in the cafeteria looking through some paperwork and eating some pie and the pie is apparently like so delicious he shoves the paperwork away picks up the pie with his hand and just like three bites just downs this slice of pumpkin pie i tell you what though i totally felt this whole scene because i love mason pie so <laughs> The so I, finding delicious pie is totally what I relate to. See, I hate pie, so I was like, no, I'm not a pie person. I love More, um, not so much berry pies, although I do like them. I like them less. So the fact that like the scene later on with all of them eating had a whole bunch of like cream pies, I was like, yeah. ooh, yes, please. Mm, okay. Yeah, I can do like a French silk like. Yeah. Just it's just pudding in a pie crust. Yep. Like yeah, I can pretty do much. that. I can do mm-hmm. pudding in a pie crust. Yep. Pudding pie. Yep. Um ooh, which oh, I have a recipe for like a cream puff pie. <gasps> really good. Did you so, ever give me that? I think I made it once for your birthday. Which oh my god, happy birthday, Rachel! Hey! Hey! Happy, happy birthday! Happy birthday to me. I think I made it for your birthday once. Because like you make the the shoe pastry like for the crust and then yeah. It's really good. I don't remember. You should like send it to me like again. I will. So that I can make it and eat the whole thing myself. I also really like it because it has what they call a, a cheater's pastry cream where you just mm. use like vanilla pudding, but you use like heavy cream, like really thick milk products. Oh, yeah. So it sets up firmer because yeah. pastry cream is delicious, but it's a bitch to make. So <gasps> you know, it even makes it more like creamy and delicious if you use that. Um, dream whip product which you do find yeah. in the baking aisle yes if you if you put that in there too it makes it like super thick and pretty much just like okay. pastry cream okay i like using that that, that cheater's pastry cream when i make boston cream pie because it really does set up nice and firm so when like when you go to cut it, it isn't just like out everywhere because you know sometimes pastry cream doesn't always set up as much as you'll want it to no, no. But this then you always just have to like eat it yourself and make a new pie, and that's just you know not always yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, pie. Apparently, pie is delicious. Uh, <laughs> and that was the entire length of the routine <laughs> of the whole scene. Thank you very much. No. Yeah. So we cut to Sam, who's like in the Malp lab doing something, and she kind of like sits up pauses like she's thinking of something then like just gets up and leaves followed by apparently the airman that has been assigned to follow her we cut to daniel in his office who kind of does the same thing who just sort of pauses looks up from what he's working at and leaves and then we meet up with everybody at the cafeteria with tilk now too where jack's table is just completely filled with dessert like apparently every kind of dessert that they have is now on the table in front of jack and this is where we get the blue jello thing with sam that's just for the rest of the show and in fandom and fanfic everywhere, just blue jello is Sam's dessert. Oh, that's her thing forever now? Yep. Forever. Ever. Yep. Oh, okay. So and like everything tastes super amazing and is super delicious, even though it's the same stuff that they've always had in the cafeteria, like they haven't changed anything. So this is weird, but okay, because it's delicious food, so why not? And we then get an announcement over the PA calling SG-1 to Med Lab 3. And they all kind of reluctantly get up to leave. But Jack kind of scrambles back. He's like, wait, 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 wait. And, like, grabs a piece of pie to, like, shove in his mouth. I totally would have done that, too. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I would have I would have brought the pie. Yep. So in the Med Lab, Dr. Fraser has found something in their brain scans. And she's like, normally I would just write this off as just, you know, an, an errant pixel. But it's in the exact same place in each of their brains and uh an airman comes in with sort of uh enhanced imaging of that area that's been enlarged several thousand times and there's some kind of machinery 
thing in there. Like this isn't just like a random strip. There there has been something implanted in their brains. Less good. Less good, yes. Mm. What would be uh, your first reaction if you saw that happen to your brain? Oh my god, get it out. Yeah. I think. Unless what if all it does is make you love pie? I don't want to love pie. I don't need to love pie. I love all the other kinds of desserts. I don't need pie also in my dessert roster. But what if you could also love pie? I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. What if it just made everything else delicious? I mean, that's not terrible, I guess. But until we know exactly what it does, oh, my God, get it out. True. All right. So Hammond has now arrived and is informed of the new situation. And according to Dr. Frazier, there's no way to remove the devices without causing irreparable brain damage. So far, there's been no threat from the members of of SG-1 except to all of the desserts on base. And all they've noticed is basically like enhanced sensory perception, if you will. And, well, until they can figure out what these devices are actually doing, Hammond orders SG-1 to be quarantined on level 22. Mm, not 23, as we've known before. No. I do I do kind of wonder what happened with level 23 after that. Mm. Maybe it's still sealed off from that situation. We'll have to keep an eye out if they ever mention it again. Yes. So they're all quarantined in the same room, and there's suddenly this voice that says, BORING! And apparently all of them can hear this voice. They have no idea what's going on. And so the voice is like, fine, I'll make it so you can see me. And it's Dom DeLuise! Yay! Yay! And so he says, hello. And then they all say, hello, Ergo. And Jack then calls one of the guards into the room. And he asks if he can see anybody else in the room, any intruders or anything. The airman does not. So cool. It's just them that can see this Ergo. Guy. Which I thought was actually a really good idea to do first is call yes. somebody else in the room and be like, do you see him? Okay. Yes. I, yes. This is this is a point in their favor. Yes. Of, yes. Doing things that are like, yes, this is something you should do. Mm-hmm. So Sam basically works out that this ergo is kind of a hallucination or manifestation um, from the device that's been implanted in their brains and is operating like some kind of really advanced interlinked computer network. So he's like, he's like Wi-Fi before Wi-Fi was Wi-Fi. Hey, there go Wi-Fi. Yes. Hence why they all went to the cafeteria when Jack was eating, but no Ergo assures them he can't make them do anything, but he can suggest things to them. So apparently he liked the pie and was like, you should all come eat pie. So then they all went and ate pie. Sometimes he... I wish I had that influence over my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this thing, so you guys should all do this thing. It's a really cool thing. Please, please use your powers for good and not evil. Uh, okay, fine. Okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, Ergo is also able to access their thoughts that they're having, like, in that specific moment, like he doesn't seem to have access to memories, but any thought they're like actively thinking he has access to. And uh, apparently Jack thinks about Mary Steenburgen a lot. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my. Which I, what, that was the other thing I tried to look up. Like, is that like a Rick thing? Like, does Rick have a thing for Mary Steenburgen? Maybe. I don't know. Who is Mary Steenburgen? Who? I know you're making that face at me. All, to all the world, she's making that face at me. Who is that? Back to the Future 3. Claire. She's the teacher that Doc oh, falls in love with. Her. Ted wow. Danson's wife, Mary Steenburgen. All righty. Sorry. <sighs> I know her very, very well. Never knew what her name was. Rachel. I love her in Virgin. so many things. Come on. Oh, yes. man. Okay. I guess I deserve the face. You do deserve that face. <laughs> but so, I know who she is, though. Okay, good. So, anyway, whatever, Ergo's bored. He wants to leave and go somewhere else because this room is, like, gray and dull and boring and is, is please tell him outside is better than this. So, but back to the infirmary they go and they explain what's going on to Dr. Fraser and Ergo keeps asking questions about the stuff that's there and almost gets Tilk to defibrillate himself. <laughs> Which is actually funny because he just does it so robotically of, like, I'm going to do this now. <laughs> and then Fraser's like, No! No, stop, no. But, yeah. So, Sam had sort of inadvertently guessed what Ergo's purpose is when she had explained to Janet 
that he seems that Ergo seems to be experiencing this environment through them. Like he's here to learn about us and our planet through us. Okay, great. How can he be removed? And he's like, that's not something that can be done. And why would they want to? They love him. Wolf, wolf. What's with the wolf? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, no, no, they, they, they don't love him. And so they're like, okay, but if you're here to collect information, then at some point the people who put you in SG-1's brains are going to want that information. And there's some like waffling from Ergo, but he does eventually say that the process to retrieve the information leads to death. So it's him or death, death or him, cake or death. I don't know. And I'll have the chicken, please. <laughs> That's not an option. Death. Nah. No, cake. No. Ah. No. <laughs> We're out of cake. And and SG1 doesn't really respond. And he's like, well, and there, Jack's like, we're thinking. Thinking. It's, it's an important decision to have to make. Between death or ergo. Death or ergo, yes. So up in the briefing room, we're catching General Hammond up again as to what's going on. And ergo's being super... Super annoying with me, 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 me. I go, oh my God. So basically, Jack wants to take the risk of going back to the planet. Ergo is still very against this, but there's, as Dr. Frazier confirms, there's no way for Ergo to be removed here on Earth. There's there's no technology that exists on Earth that can get Ergo out of their brains. So Sam suggests she might be able to find some way to turn him off, at least, if he can't be removed. And Ergo's like, let's play hide and seek. They can all hide and he'll seek and he definitely won't cheek. Cheek, cheeked, cheek. He won't cheat at hide and seek. Which is just funny. So he like covers his eyes and starts counting to 10 and Hammond gives Sam the okay to proceed with her plan. Everybody leaves and when Ergo opens his eyes, just the room is empty. And it's funny. That's classic, classic comedy gold. Yep. So we cut to Sam walking down the hall, arguing with Ergo when she runs into General Hammond and Dr. Frazier. And they also try to get Ergo to leave her alone, but that obviously doesn't work. And apparently Ergo says or does something extremely rude to or about Dr. Frazier. So after Sam walks on, Hammond asks Frazier if she's sure that SG-1 is uh, um, sane? Yes, yes, that's the word he's looking for. And she's like, yes, they are sane. Ergo is as real to SG-1 as they themselves are because of how, you know, the brain processes information and all of that stuff. Like, yeah, this is weird, but they're not, like, crazy. Yeah, which I like that they had this little scene cut in there with with, uh, Sam playing off Ergo, but nobody could see Ergo. And just they're all playing to this nothing being yeah. there I thought that was funny yeah there is a little goof here though where so after Sam walks off and General Hammond asks Dr. Frazier are they okay he actually goes Terrell are we certain they're sane not doctor he calls Terrell Terrell not doctor oh that's funny and who does that it's very if you may not know I actually had to like rewind this like three times because I saw it in like a goof thing like you know on the internet of like you know goofs in the show and Mm -hmm. I was like he does and like if you you it's kind of hard to notice because Terrell Doctor with his accent are not too dissimilar but yeah so they kept it in because they were like nah nobody will know maybe they didn't notice themselves I don't know but yeah he definitely says Terrell instead of Doctor yeah so Mm -hmm. So in Sam's lab, she's working on, you know, the turning off Ergo thing when Jack, Daniel, and Tilk come in and she lets them know she thinks she's figured out how to turn off Ergo. And based on the electromagnetic field that the device is giving off, an EMP should do the trick. Ergo really, really does not want this to happen and actually kind of, quote unquote, makes Sam spill like hot tea on herself to try and distract her from doing this EMP thing. So, and everyone just tries to ignore Ergo as he gets more and more desperate for them not to do this thing, including like shrinking and pretending to be extremely dull and turning into his handsome younger son, Peter, as the airman. Like, if I look like this, would you not be as annoyed with me? Which I loved. Yes. Cameo. Mm-hmm. I mean, he directed, he puts himself in every episode he directs. So this was just, you know, 
Yeah. Perfect. And, um, yeah, basically just begging to, like, not be, you know, as Sam says, made impotent. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I, I love when she says that and Ergo's like, could you phrase that in some other way, please? Can you phrase that? Yeah. yeah. So do you think that each of them can see Ergo separately or the visual manifestation of Ergo can only be seen in one place? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because well, like when when yeah, like when Sam was walking through the hall earlier, could Jack and Daniel have seen their own Ergo? I well, because they do explain that like the devices are all interconnected, so I think it's one manifestation. Because then that's definitely you know if he's bothering only one person at a time, that might give the others relief. Yeah. I think. But, yeah, if they're all seeing him all the time, that would definitely drive me up nutty. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a good question, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so the EMP finally goes off and poof, no more Ergo. Yay. 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 So they thought. Yes. Yep. So in the infirmary, Dr. Fraser confirms that the EM field that was previously being emitted by the devices in their brains is gone. So yay, can SG-1 please go back to work now? And Hammond's like, let's give it a week. And they're all like, but I I, I get it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to send them back out into the field right now. Some time has passed, question mark. And Dr. Fraser's talking with Sam, seemingly sort of following up on the inactivation of the ergo device and things seem to be great. And Frazier invites Sam to go with her and Cassandra to the lake that weekend where they go out on a rowboat. And that sounds like a really awesome time. And Sam leaves the office singing, row, row, row your boat. And Frazier looks over at the monitors that are looking over the members of SG-1 who are also all now singing, row, row, row your boat. Hmm. So everyone is getting. Yeah. Everyone's gathered back in the briefing room where Jack is like, I don't sing. Singing is not a thing that I do. Cue Fraser playing back the tape of Jack singing. And uh, it's Ergo. He's back. So that's weird, though, that Jack didn't even remember doing it. Or yeah. denied it. Yeah. But it sounded like he didn't even remember. I, yeah, I don't know if it was a deny, if it was a, I don't sing, no. Hmm. Because if you, Jack's singing was just kind of mumbling really mm. wasn't really what I would call singing yeah. but I don't know and Sam's like I'm sorry I thought it would work and Ergo's like it did work it did for a little while at least anyway so unfortunately this means that SG-1 is being pulled from active duty as they have been compromised by an alien life form however limited its control might be and Sam reiterates that Ergo can't actually make them do anything when Fraser brings up, like, the burn on her arm from the hot tea earlier. And Ergo goes, I didn't mean to. Jack, Sam, and Daniel all go, he didn't mean to, while Tilk adds it wasn't his intention. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Which is a very Tilk way of saying he didn't mean to. Yes. Yes, I like it. So Jack pleads with Ergo some more to tell them how to get rid of him. And Ergo insists that he doesn't know. And Sam's like... He probably doesn't because, like, a computer program doesn't know how the computer works, which, you know, good analogy, I think, works. Yeah. <laughs> so up in the control room, SG-1 and Hammond watch as a MALP is sent back to P4X884. Once the MALP is, like, connected and on world, General Hammond speaks through the microphone, requesting a dialogue with whoever is on the other side. A voice then responds with, who dares challenge Togar? So Hammond then calls Daniel to take over, because that's <laughs> what Daniel does, apparently. Um, he properly challenges Togar. Yeah. No, Daniel's like, we don't mean to challenge you. This, this is not a challenge. Mm-hmm. We've just discovered the device that you implanted in us, and we would like it to be removed. Yes, please. Thank you. And, there, and Daniel goes like, it, him. Well, him. And Togar's like, who is him? And they're like, him is Ergo. And the guy's like, you shouldn't know that name. This is an error. If you come back, I'll remove Ergo. And despite more pleading from Ergo, SG-1 agree to go back. Yay. So SG-1 are in the locker room getting ready to go. And Ergo just really, 
really does not like this. The guy is just going to kill them. Okay, well, maybe not them, but definitely him. And he does not want that. And this kind of strikes something in Sam and Daniel. And they start thinking about the situation a little differently. Like, what if Ergo is alive? Like, you know, what constitutes sentient life? You know, independent thought and feeling and fear of death and all of these things that Ergo is expressing to them. And sure, he's maybe technically a parasite, like the ground, (laughs) (laughs) or the Tok'ra, as Sam says. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's bad, because the thing is, like, Ergo's not supposed to be interacting with them when we get out of this scene. Like, he's just supposed to sort of be in the background taking in the information and reporting back. But he is. So he he's evolved into a completely new life form. He is alive, according to them. Mm. Which what do you what what do you think about that? Do you do you think Ergo is alive? Uh I Yeah, I kinda do. Because, well, I mean, going according to their criteria, yes, something that is self-aware and fear of death and everything. Um, But, I mean, really what I think about more with all these questions is how is going back to the thing that Sam brings up early in the episode of, like, all this information that he's collecting and all the experiences that he's supposed to be collecting how was that supposed to be reported back if a ergo wasn't supposed to interact with them and b like ergo really 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 doesn't want to go back and where did that come from and so just all of his self-preservation things that he's experiencing like where did that actually come from is that part of the evolution of whatever was put in their brains and is it because he was put in intelligent life form brains that he did evolve. Yeah, I I do wonder, like, you know, Ergo has a certain amount of influence over us, but then how much influence is SG-1 having over Ergo? Because he's experiencing our world through us, so our, our thoughts and feelings and how, well, not our, but how SG-1 interacts with the world, are they influencing what Ergo then does and thinks and wants? Yeah, yeah. How how give and take interactivity is this actual exchange? Yeah, it's difficult. Maybe to he's say. maybe he's afraid because they're self aware. Maybe he's just picking that up. Maybe. Don't know. Maybe or maybe they SG one themselves. You know, maybe not necessarily in the surface, but in the back of their minds, there is a bit of fear there because they they don't know what happened to them on this planet. There's got to be some kind of fear of the unknown, at least, that is, mm-hmm. you know, present in them. Because something happened to them for 15 hours and they don't know what that is. Yeah. So, but anyway, they're going back to P4X 884 because they just, they need to know what happened and what's going on and how to fix the situation. So, yeah, they get back there and once they're in that main room that we saw as that sort of initial picture on the map, they're instantly just transported somewhere else and pop in somewhere else like without their weapons and their vests and all that stuff and Jack's like great love when that happens yeah um and then a door opens and we know this is a sci-fi show because this is a it's a circular rolling door yes so all of this all of the doors are circular rolling doors aren't they yes mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yep okay mm-hmm. yeah. And so this is Togar and he tells them not to move or he'll render them unconscious mm-hmm. and he finally steps into the light and we see he looks exactly like Ergo, who calls him as handsome as he is evil. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wonder if that kind of stuff was just improv I, okay. We can get, all right, let's get, apparently so much of Dom's stuff, he just ad-libbed that if you notice, Tilk is not on screen a lot because Christopher Judge just could not hold it in. And he was like, you have to, like, write me out of this episode because I can't deal with Dom and be Tilk. Like, I can't not smile and laugh and crack up. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, because apparently, yeah, a lot of what 
Dom DeLuise. They just let him just, go. They just let him go because that's what that's what you do with Dom DeLuise. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Chris was like, I can't, can't, can't do it. So, <laughs> yep. I can't yoke this one. I can't, yeah. <laughs> like, which just makes me think back to, like, you know, when they're in the locker room and Tuck says, oh, so he's like a gaul and like like, I can just see Christopher judge just losing it and having to walk off that. Nope. I can't. I can't. I can't. This is the line. We have found it. I can't. (laughs) Use the one thing you have. We're done. Yep. It's that's yep. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And if you do notice whenever Tilk is on screen, it's usually a close up or it's only him. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> which means somebody was like, "Tighten it up. We just need you to say this, and then we're done." You know what? We'll send everybody else home. Come back when everybody's gone. We'll just get you by yourself. We'll just, we'll just green screen you in if we have to. <laughs> Tighten it up. Yep. So the interesting thing here is that Togar can also see and hear Ergo due to this like device that he's wearing that's like sort of attached to like his temple. So. Actually, that does make me think that there is only one singular ergo hallucination, like you brought up earlier. Oh, yeah, if he's looking at the same one. Yes. Mm Okay. So Togar demonstrates the ergo implant and remover process on this weird alien creature, kind of like a froggy lizard thing in like a tank of some kind. And it's just like a little laser to the head. So, and the creature is completely unharmed, so everything's fine. And SG-1 then bring up the thing about Ergo being alive. And Togar obviously does not agree. He just calls Ergo an error. And Sam's like, but what if you called it a miracle? What? And so they ask, like, is there a way to remove Ergo without killing him? And no, Ergo must be in another life form in order to live. He truly is a parasitical creature, if you want to go with that terminology. There's then a pause, and then Ergo goes, nope, nope, bad idea, don't. Because apparently Daniel had the thought that Ergo could go live in Togar. See, and that's the thing, too, of why I feel this is whole, like, all right, we got to wrap this up. Let's get this going. Because you would think at some point in time that would have been brought up already if Togar's got a device on his ear at which he can see and hear Ergo before. Which means that he knew that at some point in time Ergo could be visually manifested and seen and whatever. How, How did he make that? Without being like, you know what? Why don't I just put him in my brain? You know. I mean, maybe the the visual manifestation he thought was just there was something in the device Togar had to make Ergo visual, and didn't think it was something the Ergo device had developed independently of whatever Togar's device is. I don't know. It seems very weird that that he can manifest himself like physically and visually and and whatnot. And Togar can see it and hear it, and yet him being with SG-1 is, like, an error. Well, I wonder if the device, if you want to think of it in terms of, like, radio, where SG-1 is a sort of broadcast, and Togar's device is just the receiver. So Togar can turn his device off and on, you know? And just, you know, whatever Ergo is doing inside the subjects Ergo is currently in is what Togar receives. Like, Togar, Togar, I don't think Togar has the implant himself. I think it, it it's more of just, like, a radio receiver kind of situation. Right, but I'm, what I'm saying is that, like, how is it in the last, like, five-minute conversation they have, is Daniel able to be like, you know, what if you just oh. put him in your head? Because right. I can obviously see that, you know, he's everything that you wish you were, which, like, how would that not make you pissed, by the way? And be like, hell no, get off my planet. Um, well, <laughs> I like, guess because... How did he ever think of that before? Well, because they had... I guess because they had no memory of Togar and what had happened before. So they didn't know if this was just a singular guy or if it was a whole group of people or really what it was that awaited them on P4X884 
Well, I'm not saying, like, how is it Daniel never thought of it before? How did Togar never think of it before? Oh, well, because Ergo's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, so how is Daniel, how did he not have that thought and be like, no, never, uh-uh, no. And Daniel all of a sudden is like, well, you know, we can obviously see. And, like, he actually convinces him to do it. I, d- I don't know. It's that's that's what I don't yeah. about the ending is okay. that like, in two minutes someone's like, well, we can obviously see that he's everything that you want to be, and he's just like, all right, fine. <laughs> okay. My brain, I'll live with him forever. Yeah, I guess you're I can, so yeah. right, Daniel Jackson. You're as handsome <laughs> as you are knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna oh. believe you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It just seemed very weird. And that's what I thought I was all like, let's just wrap this up in two minutes. I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. But so, Ergo and Togar come to an understanding of some kind. And Togar's like, at least I can maybe understand what went wrong with Ergo. And Ergo still for a little bit is like, I don't like this. So Jack is like, it's him or death. Death or him. Cake or death? Again, we're back to the whole yeah. death or him thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the callback. Yep. So, and then they bring up, well, maybe Ergo, maybe you can, like, change Togar a little bit. So, they're going to do it. They're going to put Ergo in Togar. Yay! Trantor is complete. Ergo is now in Togar. And SG-1 is like, how can we be sure? And then Togar, like, yells at Ergo to be quiet. And they're like, yeah, that's Ergo. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Sam starts to talk about how, hey, maybe now that we're, like, friends, we can maybe, like, share information between us. And Togar just blinks and SG-1 vanishes in a flash of light. And Ergo now starts bugging Togar to go somewhere and do something. And he's like, nope, not going to, nope, mm-mm, not going to do it. And then SG-1 returned to the SGC with all of their weapons and all of that. And Hammond's like, was the mission successful? And once again, SG-1 is confused because they apparently think the same thing happened again where they stepped through the gate and immediately returned to Earth. But nope, they've been gone for 10 hours this time. So, Mm. uh, infirmary, please. The end. And other mouth in the room. No, only one mouth this time. Yay. But yeah, loved everything about this episode except that, like, two-minute ending. Okay. Which, yeah, okay. Where somehow devilishly handsome Daniel Jackson was able to convince him <laughs> to implant her go. Well, I mean, it's Michael Shanks, so. I mean, true. Which, oh my god, I get to see him in person this weekend. Yee! Yay! That's exciting. Yes. Yes, let it be known that she tried to get a tet, a te- tried to get a press pass and was given, like, you're cute, but no, <laughs> by the official people. So if we end up getting, like, I don't know, two more fans, I think this <laughs> podcast will be popular enough next time. <laughs> they'll well, be like, oh, you're those people. Surely you must have a press pass. Well, the, the email I got back seemed to say, like, they weren't doing press passes, like, at all, like, for anybody. For this con, so <laughs> I don't know. All right, so we can work on those like two fans in the we'll meantime. Yes. And then they'll be like, "Oh, it's you, it's us." Yes. You That's... need front row seating. Let us talk to people. Yeah, yes. we'll see. So. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, okay. So memos besides the mouth turning left. Is that? I, it? I mean, I really, I think that's it. Mouth turn okay. left. Mouth needs to turn left. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the title Ergo is possibly a reference to Descartes' famous quote of, uh, cogito ergo sum, I think therefore I am, ergo ergo, kind of a thing. Mm Um, only two different foreign territory titles this week, because most of them were just ergo. Yes. Uh, but we had in French, un étrange compagnon, which is a strange companion. Oh. Or in Italian, we have impianto, which is implanted. Oh, I like those. Those are both yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, final thoughts on Ergo. Super cute. Yes. Like it. Yes. Dom DeLuise was a national treasure. He was, yes. Yes. We miss him dearly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. This is definitely in my, like, my top season three. Possibly, yeah. like, 
all of SG-1, like all 10 seasons, this is definitely up there Mm -hmm. as a good episode, yeah. It's good. Well, it's one that I actually remembered, so you know it's good. Oh, yeah. Yes, if Rachel remembers it, it's good. (laughs) (laughs) You know it's memorable. Yes. Okay, um, before we wrap up for this week, we have some emails. Yay! Yes, um, these are emails about the episode Foothold, which is now two weeks ago, just because of the holiday weekend, we filmed like Foothold and Pretense like back to back. So which is why you didn't hear those emails on the, on the Pretense episode, but we're getting to them now. Yay! So, a little behind the scenes information for you. So we have two from Mike, which are, so the main thing we were talking about was just like, how does the actual mimic device work? Because it should be just like a hallucination, but they seem to be able to like move the clothing and stuff and like and change they, clothes. And, and when they touch each other and things, it seems to be the hallucination not going yeah. right through it. Yes. Um, so the first thing Mike says is number one, the clothes. My theory is the mimic devices or hologram projector can project the image of the outside of shirt or glasses up to a range, let's say five feet. So the alien can take the glasses off and put them back on, or he can take a shirt off and hold it. But if he lays it down and walks away, then the shirt disappears. This gives them the illusion that they can blend in, which that kind of makes sense, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, then number two was, can you touch or feel the alien with the device on? And so this is actually answered in a later episode, which I'd forgotten about. Um, there's an, So he says, this is actually answered in the later episode when Jack is framed for killing the senator. When the assassin looks to buy a rifle from the arms dealer, Sam thinks he might have touched other rifles while wearing the mimic device. When he did, he might have looked like Jack. He left behind his own fingerprints, not Jack's. This confirms the hologram is not solid and objects can pass through the image. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right, so then that were that was like goofs in the episode then of when I think a little bit when yeah. people when people touched the Daniel Jackson. Yes. And didn't feel the alien. Yes. Mm. So he then sent a follow-up email about, like, how they changed clothes. Um, He says, my theory is the alien's computer scanned multiple clothes patterns. So maybe when the aliens wanted to change clothes, they logged into their quote-unquote Sims account and changed their avatar's clothes and uploaded the new design to the Mimic device. So, like, they went to their, like, lockers, I guess, and maybe, like, pulled the civilian clothes like Daniel and Jack wore onto base and like scanned them possibly. I mean, maybe I think that's a really good idea, but I think that one is kind of a stretch. I don't know if they would really have the presence of mind to download clothing options for these avatar, but I mean, who knows? We don't know who they yeah. are, where they were from or what sort of other uh, you know, species they had impersonating where they knew they, hey, we wear clothes because every time we see them, they're not wearing anything. So we don't know how familiar they are with the concept of clothes. Yes. Um, and clothing options. Yeah. So I, that one could go either way. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of a Sims-like computer database is very amusing. So I'm going to go with it because I just, yeah. it makes me, it makes it me is, chuckle. It is a good idea. I do like it though. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, um, and then we have another email from Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Thanks for writing in again. And she says, after my last long email, I'll make this short. I love that Jack was hanging from the ceiling next to Hammond, yet his first priority was to wake up Janet Frazier. It's interesting to see that Jack thought Frazier was more useful to him than Hammond. I wonder if there's a specific reason for that choice. Oh, I don't remember if they had interactions with the fake Janet before he tried to do that. I, th- I know, look, we watched this like two two weeks yeah. ago, so it's like in and out of my brain. Yeah, I think they did see the fake Janet. And so as I was thinking about this, I like, this is going to sound weird, but in this particular situation, Hammond really can't do anything that Jack can't do. Because Jack probably had the similar thought that Sam did was like, oh shit, if this has happened to us and like Hammond, how high up the chain of command does it go? So there's probably not a lot Hammond can do, but Janet, who is a doctor and a scientist, because 
he doesn't see Sam around, she might at least be able to help us understand what's happening to us. And maybe if there's a way to get out of all of these hanging contraptions. Right. So I think that's why he went with, let's wake up the smart doctor scientist woman who might actually be able to help. Yeah. And I think we actually mentioned it before, but not in the episode that it was funny that once they severed the link with like the fake Janet, where they, you know, like knocked her out and had that mm-hmm. scene where they figured out that it was aliens. Then they proceeded to like leave her up there. The real one. Yeah. Went on there went on their little crusade of the base. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they did just kind of yeah, leave her hanging. Because yeah. we figured, like, okay, once they knocked her out and took the little mimic device off her and, like, figured out, ew, she's actually an alien. Like, they had no follow-up to her link must be severed, therefore she probably is waking up. Yeah. Therefore, she's just going to be hanging up there well, while they, they go save the base. They did only take off the, like, the projector device. Remember, there's two devices. There's the, like, the the holographic projector device on the chest. Yeah, and then there's that like actual the mental one. link, which they didn't get rid of like the, the neural link yeah. device. They only got rid of the projection device. So, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> still, but yeah, but yeah, I think, I think that's why he woke up. Janet. Yeah. Um, anything else? I think, is it, I think we've done it for this week. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, right. everybody, for writing in. Yes, thanks for writing in. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for 100 Days. Yay. Bye. Bye.